Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. It is such an honor to come share the word with you this morning. Is this the time when I say I thank the leadership? (laughs) Well, I thank myself for saying yes. All, all humility, all humility, welcome online. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for um, the privilege of sharing the word with your people. Lord, we are ready to hear what you want to say to us. You know where each and every person is at. Even with this series of suffering, Lord Jesus, you know where you are at. And Father, we pray that, Lord Jesus, you will meet us right at our places of need. In Jesus' name, amen. So we have been on a series of um, the theology of suffering, and I can't believe that we are on the fourth week now. Uh, I feel like, you know, God has has just started to do something in our hearts, all of our hearts, and placing us in a position where we really don't connect suffering to a bad God, but connect suffering to a God who just loves us and wants connection with us. I don't know if you've seen, like, you know, when a a meat is just starting to cook in a slow cooker, it's just about to release an aroma, and it's not permeating the house yet, but it's about to, I feel like I'm there with the, who else feels like that? And so as, as I've been reflecting on the past three weeks, and, you know, the Holy Spirit illuminated something in my spirit, that one of the areas that the enemy lies, I mean, the enemy lies in all areas anyway. The Bible calls him the father of lies. But one of the areas that he lies the most about the character of God is when we are going through suffering. I don't know if you've asked yourself questions like, does God really love me? Does he care about me? Have I done something? Is he punishing me? And people around you may even ask, what did you do, dude? Like, did you sin? And yes, sin causes suffering. But I'm just reminded, even in the case of Job, that we are so privileged to be reading the word of God on this side where we know why men and women in the Bible went through suffering. We know the conversation that happened between God and the enemy about Job. And so I wonder if we know, if we, if, if, if we would know that there are conversations that are happening in heaven about our suffering, would we show up differently to our suffering? Would we know that there is purpose in suffering, in our suffering? Would we know that God is not a mean God who would give suffering to teach us a lesson? I actually reject that theology. God doesn't give us suffering to teach us a lesson, but suffering happens so that we can get close to God. We can know this other side of God that we wouldn't necessarily know if we are not going through suffering. And whatever that gets produced in us, we wouldn't know that we have that until we go through suffering. So God is so good. And this series... It's not to compare whose suffering is greater than the other. (laughs) 
And we are not going to be those people when people are sharing their pain and their journey of suffering, we go, yo, 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 wait until you hear my story. No, in this community, what we are going to do, we are going to gift each other the empathic listening. Because healing sometimes happens in the listening. Sometimes healing happens when we hear other people's story and journeys of suffering. And you, it gives you a greater perspective and it leads you to gratitude to say, God, thank you for this fire because I'm not ready for their fire. So what do you do when you have been believing God and praying and knocking on doors and nothing is happening or it's happening at the time that you want it to happen? What do you do when your heart is so heavy with disappointment because things haven't happened? What do you do? Today we are talking about hope and I feel like Nina, you should have just preached this word. Um, God has us so set up. We are talking about hope, and I don't know about you. For me, I feel like the wipers on the bus going switch, switch, switch when coming to hope. Because one moment, I am so in with you, God. Even if I don't see it happening right now, I believe you. I am hopeful. My eyes are focused on you. And the next moment is like, Lord, why? Why am I going through this? And how long? Am I going to be in this place? And all of us get to be in that place. So what is hope and what is not hope? So none of us wake up and think, I hope I have a terrible day today, <laughs> right? <laughs> Even if we can expect bad things to happen on, day, on that day or worry about bad things happening, those are just emotions. That is not hope. Hope is not wishful thinking, neither hope is optimism. Optimism is psychological, hope is theological. Hope is theological. Hope, biblical hope is knowing for sure that what God has promised to do, he will do. It's the confidence that is in us that I don't see it happening now, but because I know what you did before, you will do it. That is biblical hope. And we also know that hope is not passive. We have to activate hope. We have to practice hope. We have to pursue hope. The posture of hope is not passivity. We cannot be passive as we hope. Hebrews 6, 19, verse 20, sorry, verse uh, verse 19 to 20, we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Hope is a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. The purpose of an anchor is to keep the vessel safe, to retain its position so that it doesn't drift. And anchoring our hope in Jesus does the same for our soul. It's to keep us safe and to retain the position that no matter 
what happens. It doesn't matter what the storms, it doesn't matter what's shaking around you. I am standing here and my eyes are on you, Lord. Romans 8, 24 to 25. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. If I say to my kids, at 2 o'clock, I'm going to take you out for ice cream, they don't have to sit there and hope. They know they're just waiting for 2 o'clock to happen and go for ice cream. So that is not hope. It's just I'm expecting this to happen at this particular time. Yeah. (laughs) You know that someone loves Paul's ice cream, so if you want to. Yeah. For who hopes? For what he sees, but if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. And this is where most of us struggle, waiting with patience. And you know what? It's related to the relationship we have with the Father. If our view of the Father is that we have seen your track record, we know you can do it. So when you say that we wait, and we wait with patience, so we're going to wait. You are not just a genie that we rub the lamp and we expect you to do something at the time that we want you to do them. But we are going to honor you and wait, and wait for something better. You know, it's not just about the outcome, but it's about the relationship that is built with God. So one of the irrational, objectionable, and easy thing to criticize about our faith is hanging on this statement um, made by Andy Stanley. We turn to God when bad things happen, believing he could have kept them from happening in the first place. And all of us have been in this place where we run to God when things Bad things happen, but at the same time, we are here and thinking, we wish you could have kept this from happening, or we want you to do this. We instruct God. So I'm going to introduce you to people who activated their hope and who kept the tension between this statement where they go to God when bad things happen, but also believing that, God, you could have kept it from happening. And he does keep some of them from happening. So we're going to read Acts chapter 12. And before I go there, I want to give you just an insight of this community of believers and the, the, the difficult situation they find themselves in and the sufferings that they have endured. In chapter 7 of Acts, Stephen is stoned to death. In chapter 8, Saul is persecuting the church and the church is scattered, most of them. Chapter 9, Saul has a Damascus experience. The transformation happens and Ananias gets a a, a word from the angel of the Lord saying, receive Paul. And he's like, excuse me, say, what have you heard what he has done? And so this is where they are at. In chapter 12, headlines get to the church. James is killed, Peter imprisoned. Can it get worse than this? Let's read. About that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. 
he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him. Kosi Mamburu maximum security right here. <laughs> Intending after the Passover to, to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. And this is a clincher for me. What makes this community of believers keep going back to God when James was killed a few days uh, before Peter was arrested and now they're going to God because they know that God's hand has been upon them. They have seen him operating amidst the suffering that they were experiencing. People's lives were being transformed. Amidst the, the, the suffering that they were experiencing, they saw numbers being added to the church, not monthly, not weekly, daily. They saw the hand of God doing this. The Bible says, you know, some of them will just walk in Peter's shadow and get healed. So they experience miracles popping like popcorns, as Pastor Eric say, just amidst this all, all this suffering that was happening. So why would they turn back now? Why would they not believe God, that God will deliver them out of this situation? Why would they let their souls, you know, be dragged into hopelessness when God has done so much for them? Our circumstances don't have the final say. God has the final say. The posture of hope is not passivity. We've got to engage, we've got to pursue hope no matter what. And this is the same thing that Abraham experienced when it says Abraham hoped against hope. He considered what his body could not do, but then he pressed in on the word of God, what God said he will do through his body. He just didn't look at what his body could not do. Hope against hope is that right now, I see that things are bleak, but my eyes are on you, Lord, because I have seen you wake. Choosing to hope is a deliberate action. We have to choose to hope. How do we engage our suffering with hope? I've got three things for you. Every suffering has a word of promise. Lamentations 3, um, 17 to 24 Peace has, ha, peace has been stripped away, and I have forgotten what prosperity is. I cry out, my splendor is gone. Everything I had hoped for from the Lord is lost. The thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Yet, I still dare to hope. When I remember this, the faithful love of the Lord never ceases, never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, 
The Lord is my inheritance, therefore I will hope in him. Jeremiah is just letting us in into the state of his soul. He was downcast. He was in a bad place. Now he, 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 he brings up the promises of God to remind his soul that this is who God is. And I don't care what you do, but when you are in that state, you will post that word on your mirrors, on your car. You will let it play over and over so that you remind your soul who God is. David says, you know, similar thing in Psalm 119, 49 to 50. Remember your word to your servant upon, to your servant upon, upon which you have given me hope. This is my, comf- my comfort in affliction that your promise has given me life. And both David and Jeremiah are confronting their soul in Psalm 42, verse 5, and Psalm 43, verse 5. Same words David used. Why are you so downcast, O my soul? Hope in the Lord. When our souls are in turmoil, we need to remind our souls that I was young and now I am old, and yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken. Soul, I want to remind you that goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. You need, you need to remind your soul that you are more than a conqueror. Because if we don't, our souls will be dragged into a place of despair. Our spiritual disciplines are so important. We cannot go to Netflix for a word of promise. We will not go on Showmax for a word of promise or scroll through social media for a word of promise. We will find it in the word of God. You know, many of us trust God to speak to us, but if we don't have a relationship, if we don't pursue a relationship through his word, prayer, connect group, we will not hear him when he speaks. So spiritual disciplines are so important. They may seem mundane and that, you know what, it's this routine. But when they are needed, they're going to come because you have developed that. If you know me, you know that one of my favorite movies is Karate Kid. So whether you are a Mr. Miyagi, uh, works on, works off, or like me, you are a Mr. Han, jacket on, jacket off. Drop the jacket, pick up your jacket, hang your jacket. Don't just hang it, but hang it with attitude. I have just taught you some Kung Fu basics here. <laughs> um, anyhow, Dre moves to, to, to China with, with if, allow me, if you haven't seen the movie, let me spoil it for you, please. Dre moves to China with, with his mom and he gets into a school and he meets this group of, you know, some Kung Fu uh, uh, warriors, uh, you know, the ones that looks like, you know, they were given lessons the minute they were born. Um, and they begin to bully him. So he plays hide and seek all the time. He's trying to hide. He's trying to run as fast as he can to go home. And he gets to a place where I am tired now. I cannot do this. I need to confront this situation. So he approaches Mr. Um, uh, uh, Han, his landlord, to say, Mr. Han, please teach me Kung Fu. Mr. Han has no idea what has happened. Anyway, Dre 
shows up to Mr. Han every single day and it's jacket on, jacket off, pick up the jacket and hang the jacket. Edge and every day, that's what he comes to Mr. Han for. Now, the situation back at the ranch is not changing. He's still being bullied, he's running, he's hiding, and all those things. Now he comes one afternoon and he is completely frustrated. He says, Mr. Han, I am tired. What is the point of jacket on, jacket off, hang it, whatever? Actually, Mr. Han, let me tell you, you do not know Kung Fu. And as, as, as he's saying all this, Mr. Han launches the punches and out of reflex, Chaudre blocks the punches and ducks the kicks, this mundane routine that he was doing each and every day showed up when he needed it to show up. So when we do not neglect our spiritual discipline is that at the time when we need it, we need to confront our hopeless situation is that God, you said in your word, the word of promise. And secondly, every suffering has a hope song. I don't know about you, but I've been in moments where I'm unable to utter any words to God without just streams and rivers of tears coming, you know, out of my, 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 my eyes, my, my ears. <laughs> Out of, out of my eyes, and I'm unable to utter a word. And that, that song of hope is the rope that pulls me out of that place. And my song has been by Todd Gilbert that I asked the team to play this morning, He Won't Fail. I play it loud, I play it on repeat, you know. I don't care whether you see me raising my hands on the street. I am fighting for my soul. I don't have to explain anything to anyone. You are fighting for your soul to hope in the Lord again. In Habakkuk 3, verse 1, if you read the book of Habakkuk, it's only three chapters. Habakkuk is, you know, uh, having this, this, this conflict with, with God almost. It's the why. It's, it's the how long, God, am I going to be in this situation? Actually, the name Habakkuk itself means to wrestle and to embrace. So this is a prophet that has wrestled and embraced the suffering. And in, 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 in chapter 3, verse 1, a prayer of Habakkuk, and it's actually saying a prayer and a song um, of the prophet Habakkuk, according to Shaganoth. That's not a sorry word. <laughs> Shaganoth, O oh Lord, I have heard the report of you and your work, O oh Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. I have never, I'm going to confess, never heard of this word Shaganoth until I, pre I was preparing this, this message. And it's mentioned twice in the Bible, in Habakkuk and Psalm 7, where David is offering a Shaganoth, um, you know, song to the Lord. And this word is a Hebrew word meaning to praise with strong emotions and impassioned triumph. What are you bringing to the Lord when you are in that space where Things are not working out. What are you saying to God? You may not have words to say, but where is your song of hope? 
Where is your shaganath? You're going to shaganath yourself out of that situation. You are going to shaganath yourself out of that despair. You know, Jehoshaphat, when he was in the battle, all they needed to do was worship and praise, and the Lord won the battle for them. And sometimes being in the presence of God is only that we need to get out of that space. Paul and Silas in chapter 16, Acts chapter 16, they are in prison. And instead of focusing on where they were at, they decided, they chose to worship, to, to, to exercise their song of hope for miracles to happen. And the prison doors got open for them. A miracle right there happened. In the days of slavery in the United States, southern slaves were living under brutal conditions. They composed some deeply moving songs with haunting melodies, rich with emotions. The spirituals were songs of hope and anticipation. They were the sole cry of the slave longing for freedom. They embraced Jesus as their Lord and, and Savior. And in the midst of almost unbearable suffering, they experienced his grace, peace, hope, and the future. And some of the songs that were written out of there were, Where were you there when they crucified my Lord? So let your melody fight the battle for you. And lastly, every suffering has a reward. There is a reward in our suffering. It is not in vain that we suffer. Hebrews 10, 35 to 36. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need for endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. You know, every sportsman, they wait, they play the game until they retire so that they can get a handshake. Well done. Yes. We play the game until the end, no matter what. We are in the game and we're going to play until the finish line. Come on, church. Hope will be rewarded. Faithful hope will be rewarded. And you know, sometimes it's not just us benefiting as individuals when we hope, but our community gets to benefit as well. When I see Greg, you know, persisting in hope, I do not give up. I get encouraged and I go back to the game and do it again. There wouldn't be Prophet Samuel if Hannah didn't persist in hope. Year after year, he, she kept showing up. Year after year, she kept, she kept showing up. Even when there was no pregnancy happening, she kept showing up. And her persistence was rewarded. For some of you here, there wouldn't be anything that is birthed. There wouldn't be things that are birthed right now if you didn't persist. So well done for persisting. Well done for persisting. You know, community is here to cheer us on, to say that I am praying for you. Do not give up. 
when we found out that we were pregnant with a boy, our first son, and I shared this story in the first service when, you know, he was attending the first service and I asked permission. Um, we started fantasizing about the schools that, you know, he would go to and the fact that he was going to play soccer and he's going to be a soccer star, particularly playing for Orlando Pirates. <laughs> Some people are not impressed here. Yeah. <laughs> let me let me let me stick to the words. Let me stick to the word. <laughs> Anyhow, you know, in grade R, uh, then Limo got into this, you know, as a little soccer team. I was so excited. Their first match. I was one of those moms who drove behind the bus, like literally, and packed my bag of snacks, you know, set on the stands. And five minutes into the game. Lemo does what most soccer stars do, like Nehemiah. The ball came rolling very slowly and it touched him. He collapses to the ground and go like, ha, ha, ha. And so I hear the parents that I was sitting not far from going like, who's that? Whose little one is that? Without answering them, I just went over to the ground and I said to Lemo, hey, what are you doing? Get up. I said, get up, get into the game, you can do it. Lemot gets up and runs and sprints into the, into the field, leaving the ball behind. I'm like, what are you doing? Come back. And I hear the coach yelling, that ball, that ball. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> Despite all that drama, all Lemo wanted to hear is the voice of his mother says, get up. Get into the game. You can do this. Yeah. And most of us here, we just need to hear the voices of the community that we are surrounded by saying, get up, get into the game. You can do this. And I want to say to you, it doesn't matter where you are at this moment. Get up. Get into the game. There is a reward at the end. There is a reward at the end. We are going to play the game until the end. We may not know what God is doing with our suffering right now. Let's hope anyway. We may not get all the answers that, of the request that we are making to the Lord on this side of heaven. But he's got all of eternity to make it up to us. He's got all of eternity to make it up to us. So let's get into the game and keep doing it and not give up. Amen. Let's rise. Thank you, Jesus. Um, Father, we thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I want to pray for people who are here and, um, you know, Probably you have based your hope on how much money you have, on your career, on the things that can be taken away anytime. The constant hope, the hope that is immovable is found in Jesus. And so if you don't have the relationship with Jesus, you have, if you have never made that commitment to follow Christ, 
we want to pray with you. We were once where you are and we made the commitment. So if that is you, please raise your hand. We would like to pray with you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Please raise your hand if you are here and you would like to make a commitment to follow Jesus. Thank you. Whoever, I think, so, excuse me, one hand, can you please come to the front? If you've raised your hand, we would love to pray with you. Let's just give them a round of applause. Yeah, if, if you are awesome, if you would still love to join these people who are making such a bold move, but an exciting step at the same time to follow Jesus, please come and join them. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Um, so I was sitting there, and I'm like, man, how are we going to land this? And then Navila goes, yeah, maybe we must sing. Um, <laughs> and I'm reminded of a song, even as we're about to pray with, with people here. It's a Donnie McClurkin song. And the first verse goes, so excuse me if anyone hasn't heard me sing, Askis. <laughs> so it says, He's calling you. He's calling you. Tell me what are you going to do? Your time has come for a life brand new. He is calling you. He is calling you. If you're still sitting in your seat or standing in your seat and you're like, ah, I, I don't know, I'm grappling with this thing. He is calling you. He is calling. It's not us. It's not Pastor Lindy's tricks and smart words. No. He is calling you. It's his desire. Scripture says that, Jesus says, no man comes to God unless God draws him. It is God who is drawing you. It is God who is drawing you. So I'm going to give another call. So if you're feeling there's a tension, I'm not sure. That's a tug. I remember the first time when I gave my heart to the Lord. I don't even remember the, the sermon. My heart just felt like a speedball. I blinked and I was at the front. So, you might be feeling, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling. I, I don't know. Maybe I did it before. I'm not sure. But he's calling you. So, he's calling you. So, he's calling you. Will you come? This is not an embarrassment. This is not an embarrassment. Okay. So, my brothers and... Yay! Come on. Thank you, Lord. Amen. My brothers and sisters, 
you are here and you have trusted the Lord. So we believe that for us to enter into relationship with the Lord, we have to confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts that he is our Lord. So will you follow in this prayer with me? Father Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you for choosing me. Thank you for calling me. Lord, forgive me for my sins. I make you Lord of my life. Take my life and make something of it. You are Lord of my life. I believe you, Lord. Thank you for saving me, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Give him a round of applause, please. So, my brothers and sisters, will you have uh, counselors, friends who are going to walk with you and tell you a little bit more about the decision that you've made? Because this is a great decision. Uh, Matthew chapter 5 says, Blessed are those who believe, no, who thirst and hunger after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And that is what they're doing. Can you praise the Lord? Amen. Sure. So, since we all heard and we're talking about faith, I mean, about hope, I'm reminded of Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. Paul writes that, and now, so we're saying all of us here have accepted Jesus, and it, right? Okay. Paul says, and now, just as you accepted Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Right? It's, but what Pastor, Pastor Lindo was talking about is that hope. It's not passive. It doesn't wait back. It pursues. So this is my, I'll keep on keeping on. And now, just as you accepted Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let us continue to follow him. When our feelings uh, say otherwise, we continue to follow him.